Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, all right, let's try this again. Tenant, date, pushback, take five. How do we do this all day? This is Comic Cast on PodcastArena.com. Here's your geeks, John Lee and Michael Carroll. Welcome into issue 303 of Comic Cast. John Lee here. Hey, with Michael Carroll. Thank you guys for tuning in. You can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at One Punch. And I'm at Producer Mike975. And today we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We have a, a, a very passionate Michael Carroll that's going to rip into one of the nation's top entertainers, I guess you would say. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk about some of the stuff that happened at Justice Con and Comic Con, mostly. I feel like mostly Comic-Con stuff and one stuff from uh, Justice Con. And we got uh, Tenet, Tenet getting pushed back yet again. Um, and some of the other movies getting uh, pushback dates. And Tenet, we'll talk about what they're planning on doing with Tenet in the United States because we can't get our bleep together. <laughs> and then uh, we got some casting news on Marvel. And uh, and we have, um, we have some other stories we may get into um, if we have more time at the end but today like every first podcast of the week we talk about what we watched over the weekend and i just have two things i watched more harley quinn and it's still fantastic as as always and um and the other thing that i watched was uh last of us and you you may say hey but that's a video game jong and i'll tell you yeah it is <laughs> But, yeah, <laughs> but a, a month ago, my my buddy, uh, whenever Last of Us Part Two came out, month month and a half, two months ago, I forget when, but month, month ago, um, I let my uh, I let my friend uh, <clears throat> borrow my PlayStation, and he and he bought Last of Us Part Two, and he said, "Hey, uh, if you let me borrow it, I'll buy it, and then you could just keep the game." And uh, he had it for about two. He finished the game pretty quickly. He had it for about maybe two weeks. And he finished it and he gave it back to me. And I just, I was like, man, I really do want to play Last of Us Part 2, but I don't want to play without knowing what happened in Part 1. Because like always, what I do with video games like this is I pick it up and never finish it. And with Last of Us, I picked up and didn't finish it. Um, and I went through the cutscenes and some of the playthrough, and I watched it all. It was three and a half hours long, um, not in one sitting, in a couple of sittings. So um, I watched it all, and uh, I said, "Man, that was a that was a pretty that's that's a pretty 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 good game there." And uh, I'm gonna start part two pretty soon. Nice, yeah. Last of Us Part One. I pl- I played it. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I borrowed, I borrowed uh, our mutual friend Albert's uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. and played it way back when when it first came out, uh-huh. and it was the first Last of Us is such an emotional like it's it wrecks you in the first like five minutes with the mm-hmm. uh, the emotional impact that that game has on you and the character of Joel and Ellie and that that's such a good game even for folks to just watch the cutscenes it's such a well executed game. So I'm glad you got to experience it. So now you're going to start playing Last of Us Part Two. I'm really excited. 
Yeah, um, I have about a month off from school. Um, I, I think just under, I think about four weeks now. And um, I, you know, I, I have some time to kill. And uh, I'm going to start playing it maybe at the end of this week because uh, I'm going to be a little busy. Uh, I'm go visit my brother this week. Um, they're, him, my brother and my sister-in-law are expecting their second in a couple of weeks here. Uh, around the same time, I'm going back to school, so we we want to go visit them before they have the kid. Um, so I think I'm going to start pay- playing it maybe by the by this weekend, and then um, you know I have some free time next week, and then I'll I'll dive right into it. And I f- I feel like you know putting you know two three hours into it every day would get me to the end of it by the time school starts back up again. So. Um, I've, I've heard mixed things about Last of Us Part 2. Some of us, lo- some some people love it. Uh, other people say Part 1 was a lot better. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking, for, looking forward to um, how I'll, I guess, feel about the game. Yeah, there's apparently story choices that are made that are that fans are not really caring for. And mm-hmm. there's some other aspects that people... But I think if you like the emotionality of the first one, I think you'll enjoy the second one. Mm-hmm. What did you get to do or watch over the weekend? So actually one of the fun, funny thing, one of the things I'm going to talk about is something I listened to. So I listened to, I, we talked okay. about it on, on the podcast a little while back. Um, the audible original that Sandman that was coming out with James McAvoy, Riz Ahmed, mm-hmm. um, Michael Sheen, Kate Dennings, uh, Kat Dennings, I should say. And uh, I listened to that over the weekend and it was it was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed it. It's a lot. I don't really know too much about Sandman. Um, so uh-huh. this was my first experience with the character of Sandman from DC lore, um, which James McAvoy plays Sandman or Morpheus. And he, I mean, for, for one, the production is really great. Like the production value, the, the way they handle like the different voices. It's like listening to, to a movie or different episodes of a show because it's not, like the chapters are structured as episodes. So it's like chapter uh-huh. one is episode one. So it's a it's a fascinating okay. way to do it differently. And it I mean it it was I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good experience. Some some of it gets real dark and honestly it's like, man, that's that's a rough listen to for a while there because it gets pretty dark in some spots, but and it's it wasn't it quite exactly what I expected. So but it was good. I enjoyed it. And I, I, it's, again, another Audible title that I would highly recommend people if they're inter- interested in Sandman. Um, it's like a movie in your head or an episode of a TV show in your head every week or every uh-huh. you know, part. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to talk about, which may lead into, help us lead into the video game stuff, I watched the Xbox Games Showcase that aired last Thursday. I had to catch it afterwards. Um but that was the showcase of uh, Microsoft's all the first party titles that are coming to the Series X and Xbox One and all that. And that was the first, I got to say, that was the first game. I've watched a lot of game streams over the years, like E3 and all that. That's the first stream that I watched where every game showed, I know I can play it. Like that's the first time I've ever happened because every game showed on that stream is going to be released day and date with game pass. And again, I'm, I'm a game pass subscriber. So halo infinite fable, which was announced. Um, what was the other one? Psychonauts two. I mean, all the games that were announced on, on that stream, I know I have them. And that's a really cool thing to think about, like to sit back and think about. Whereas years before it's like, Oh, that game looks cool. I probably won't play that one. That one, like, I would have to pick and choose. This is the first stream where I'm actually like, I can play all of these games when they release, and that was, I, I, I enjoyed that. Obviously, Halo Infinite was my probably my favorite thing from the mm-hmm. from the showcase, but it was really cool, man. That's uh, that's cool. Uh, I finally get to see some uh, some you know gameplay from some of these first party exclusives, uh, and uh, and uh, I'm just seeing stories of uh, I'm not I'm seeing multiple stories of uh, Gabe Newell preferring the Xbox Series X over the PlayStation and it's quote because it's better. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, honestly though, like you look at the specs on both systems and um, if you just, just on the specs alone, um, 
it, it would not. I mean, it, you look at it and you're like, yeah, the Xbox Series X is it's a better system. And um, I think while we're waiting for um, the release of the system, and um, I, I know me and you are both going to be waiting for um, a little bit for, um, I guess, just the market to cool down a little bit. And obviously, you know, it's not a cheap system. We probably, I mean, both of us are probably not willing to spend um, 500 plus on, on a gaming system right off the bat. I think that uh, the benefit of the one of the major benefits of waiting is just to see how they're going to be doing uh, these games. And um, my hope is uh, for me to get an Xbox, I think it, they would have to blow me out of the water because I'm so I'm such a big fan of that Spider-Man game. And, and, and it is one of those first games in a while that I finished um, and it took me about 30 hours, but I finished it. And so with Xbox has to blow me out of the water with some of these uh, first party games. And if, if they do that, then I may think about switching over to, to Xbox because obviously I honestly like in the, uh, in, in the Xbox one, you have the, the, the UI is much, it's a much sleeker system. I mean, much sleeker UI and PlayStation, like you talked about it in the past, PlayStation UI is not that great. It's just, you know, it's, it's there yeah. where the Xbox, the entertainment system, like they were kind of going for is, is much better. And, um, you just have to win on these first party exclusives because from a system, from a, uh, I guess, entertainment system on its own, Xbox one flat out blew PS five out of the water and Gabe Newell can say it's a better system all he wants. But if they still have this problem, um, Oh, the problem of not having some of these first party exclusives, then you're still going to have people venturing over to the PS five. Cause honestly it's, it is better. It's a better system, the Xbox Series X, but it's not like head and shoulders better than the PlayStation Five. So you have to you have to win people over with these first party exclusives. And I hope that Xbox, for a competitive standpoint, because I do not like how PlayStation is this the ego. <laughs> some some of these execs over there at PlayStation, like it just it it, it bothers me to a point where some of if the like I said if. The race is close just because the douchebags over there, Sony, are so arrogant. I may go over to the Series X, you know? Yeah. There's there's a lot of factors, but um, Xbox definitely needs to make this a lot closer than than it did in the last console wars. And I think their, their approach now is being more consumer-friendly and consumer-focused. And Because I don't think any of the games shown necessarily are going to blow anybody out of the water. I don't think there was anything to the level of like a God of War or Last of Us Part 2 or Spider-Man or anything like that. Halo Infinite was probably the biggest one and a lot of people complained about the the graphics because that was an older build that they showed and in certain textures and stuff weren't that great. Honestly, if you watch the stream on 4K60, there wasn't a lot of complaints. If you start looking into it though, there's some texture shading and and they don't they won't have ray tracing right at the at right at the jump but i think with the ability to play the games wherever you want where whether it's pc whether it's the series x whether for now whether it's your xbox one x or xbox one s or with x cloud because x cloud is going to be part of your game pass subscription and that means you could play you don't have to get a series x you could play it on your phone or tablet or whatever so it's just they just want you in the ecosystem and mm -hmm. playing whatever in whatever way you want again you don't have to if you get halo infinite like if you bought it you don't have to buy it twice if you if you want to get it on your series x it'll automatically be the optimized version for you so it's like things like that that are so much like consumer focused and again game pass ultimate is like 15 bucks or if you want to just get game pass it's 10 bucks so yeah it's just the they're playing a different game the first party titles that that Sony has are incredible and what Xbox has struggled with is first party and we're still not seeing the benefits of their acquisitions of studios we're we're starting to see it 
because they showed, you know, like Obsidian and some of these other ones. Obsidian showed a game called Avowed, which looks pretty cool. But again, we're not going to see any gameplay for that for a while because a lot of these games are still early in development. Uh, Fable, we didn't see any gameplay, still early in development. And like some of the bigger studios that they have, the initiative is probably the big one. Um, they're still early, early in their development. So we're not going to see the benefits of a lot of these first party titles until mm -hmm. maybe a couple more years. But I think the long term plan, what they've tried to do since the destruct since their terrible, terrible showing in 2013 and, and the beginning of the Xbox One console, I think the long term plan is really cool. And I'm really excited. Yeah. And uh I mean I hope um yeah, I, I'm excited for uh, for some competition. <laughs> uh, I, I I want it to be closer, and and I think competition breeds better products. Um, it, it, you just, it, I mean, like it, it went for uh, NBA 2K has just gone down. You know, it, it's you know, it's the quality of that game has gone down every year, and it just seems like it's an update on players. Uh, I, and I think that happens with a lot of video games and, um, I, I think Madden, uh, suffers from that, suffered from it, f uh, for quite some time until, uh, recently where it got a little better. And so like when you have these, uh, leagues buying up, or I guess these companies selling the exclusive rights, I guess the NBA really hasn't done that, but I think it's just the EA just, you know, can't make a damn NBA game. Uh, is the problem and so 2k is like oh we'll just sit back they're gonna buy our game with the number one sports video sports game in the country for x amount of years i think we can you know we don't have to push our developers or we don't have to push our push push people that are you know actually making these games we just let it sit there and just patch it up every year and all that kind of stuff so i and i think same same thing goes for some of the the consoles too and i think playstation can get to, i don't think they're there i think they can they can get to a point where they get lazy and just kind of say okay well just you know we have this amount of you know we have this amount of uh exclusives first first title first first title exclusives on our system i think we're good we could just you know kind of sit back and relax right right yeah i mean yeah they and the other thing too with them is they've really leaned into microtransactions these last couple of years and mm -hmm. that's that's turned me off completely and uh, speaking of video games, and I think one of the reasons why we did uh, some heavy video game at the top at the top was there was a story, and uh, Joe Rogan, he's pro probably one of the biggest entertainers in the country. Uh, very, very successful podcast, uh, huge UFC guy, does a lot of pay per views. He uh, signed a mega deal with Spotify to get his podcast over there. Well, he he's not a I guess he's not a big fan of video games, you would say. Um, he OK, so I want to preface this by saying if you did not watch the uh, clip, I think the quote could, can t be taken out of a little bit of context because I do feel like like he says in the quote, he says that they're fun. They're addictive. And so, but this is, this is the whole quote and you can find it on the Joe Rogan um, experience and his podcast. Um, you can find it on YouTube. He does, uh, he records uh, videos for YouTube um, for his podcast as well. So this is what he said. He said, video games are a real problem. They're a real problem. You know why? Because they're effing fun. They're addictive. I have a real problem with them. You do them, they're real exciting, but you don't get anywhere. And then he compared it to, I guess, uh, jiu-jitsu. He said, you could be doing something exciting and fun. You could just be playing effing video games. Three years later, you could just be that same kid playing video games, waiting for the next whatever the F game is. You're going to waste your time. And um, he went on to discuss gamers who make a lot of bleeping money through streaming. He said, quote, you have to be adaptable you have to be able to play multiple video games because one video game that you really you're really good at what are the odds it'll be around five years from now i one of the more prominent video gamers i guess streamers ninja kind of responded back to him he says joe doesn't really understand the full context of gaming community is and how many different av avenues you can be successful in gaming and uh, you, Twitch and YouTube creator Dr. Lupo commented saying, 
listening to this podcast is a waste of time. Generalized bad take is bad. Anything can be harmful in excess. Video games have made many people successful. They're the cause for a majority of my friendships, etc. And this is coming from the quotes and everything were compiled uh, from the independent. I, 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 I know you are a much big video game person than I am. Um, I will just leave it at, at this and then I'll let you, I'll leave the stage for you <laughs> because I know you're pretty, uh, pretty, I guess you're pretty passionate about this, but I do feel like video games help, um, um, help with stress. It's a stress relief for the most part. I think, um, it's a stress relief, especially for me, um, I was looking forward to this time to myself um, after summer uh, after the summer session of uh, of, of um, my graduate courses, um, which you know at certain points in the semester it was just extremely stressful. I ha- I'm working on deadlines, and and then uh, one class I had all of this coursework laid out in front of me, and I had to pace myself, and I uh, there was a lot of reading and a lot of writing and. It just, it, it stressed me to almost, you know, I had to cut back on the podcast and um, I let my friend borrow my PlayStation because I couldn't touch it. Um, and um, I think one point t- towards the end of the semester, I was a little bit ahead of what my course load was. And I got a, I got a, you know, I had an hour to myself and I played and will be the show. I played a game and, and it just uh, it gave me, and, and I'm sure it's like the the chemicals in your brain that get that you know that secrete when you're having fun and whatnot. And and some of this stuff is addicting. And I I do agree with Joe Rogan that it is addicting is because it's fun. But that gave me so much joy. That one hour gave me so much joy, and it just relaxed me, and it it almost rejuvenized me to to finish my master's course sooner than expected and i did i finished it in a, a week before the uh, then a week before everything was due for both my classes because my other course did let me do two weeks worth of stuff within a week and i submitted it early and i got 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 it graded and everything and i was done a week before than i was supposed to and i indulged myself in more video games and right now i'm happy um, uh, that, that summer 10 weeks was very stressful. And, um, and I know a lot of people feel this way and there are people that cope by playing video games and, and there's people that cope by, you know, talking on a podcast like us and Joe Rogan and, and I, Joe makes a, a lot of money doing what he does. And, and for the part where he says that, five years from now you know what what are the you know can they be adaptable you know like they're you know they're they're you're the same kid playing a video game well he compared it to somebody being very good at jujitsu and then opening up its own gym years down the line and i'm like kind of like how many successful jujitsu uh i guess people that take jujitsu get that successful and then opened up their own gym. It's kind of like being a streamer and becoming very successful and starting, you know, a business <laughs> business on Twitch or YouTube or uh, any other platform, right? It's kind of like the percentage is very small. The two, the two, I do, I think, correlate some a little bit, but I feel like he's, I don't know. It's just like some people take, you know, jujitsu to relieve stress. Some people play video games to relieve stress. Let people enjoy what they enjoy. And I just feel like he's just raining on people's parade. Well, and I think, too, with him, I think he took because he talked about he played video games. And and, but it was like a ridiculous amount of hours from one of the quotes I read. I I believe it was 12 hours playing NBA 2K. Mm -hmm. And it's like, again, kind of like what Dr. Lupo said, anything in in excess can be damaging or addicting and, and anything that's way above moderation. Like if you're, if you're so focused on jujitsu that it's, you're, you're sacrificing other parts of your life or other relationships in your life. Same thing with video games, same thing with like alcohol, same thing with drug. Like we talk about it a lot, but like anything in excess is too much. So if he got to that point, like I get what he's saying about 
it is fun, but it it was damaging. That's that's more of a you problem, though. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm rude about it, but that's there's a lot of people that don't necessarily have that same issue with it. Video games can be very addicting, and it is a problem that I think the World Health Organization finally acknowledged a year or two ago, and it is something that people need to seek help on. But at the same time, there are plenty of us that play video games, enjoy video games. Like I don't do, I don't, I don't do twelve-hour sessions. I, mean, I haven't done a twelve-hour session in like forever. Um, but th- there's so much more to games, and it's not just like jujitsu. You are you are growing and becoming a better jujitsu practitioner. Gaming, to a certain extent, you are doing that depending on the game. Like you do increase your skill level, like if it's Warzone or if it's Fortnite or if it's some of these other games, Siege, where you are increasing your 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 skill level and becoming one of the top players in the world. But there's other games where you're not trying to be the top player in the world. You're just experiencing a story, and it's art at that point. Um, there Again, I, Mass Effect, the story in the first two Mass Effect games blew me away and are some of the best stories that I've experienced. Not just in games, but just stories I've experienced. The Telltale games, although had the company had its issues, they did give us The Wolf Among Us. They give a, they did give us The Walking Dead. Again, story-based games that really comment on like issues. And now we're seeing the ma- more mature games coming out more and more as the years progress and as the, the level of storytelling gets better the last of us is one of the best i feel like one of the best stories i've ever played as well that story got me choked up at different points like there's you're experiencing stories and it's not all about just having the highest score or having this or having the highest kill rate or whatever um the other thing when it comes to you know making money obviously there's streamers there are esports now esports coaches there is content creation i mean there's just a lot more that you can do and there's a lot more game studios out there that you can work for video games are is i'm i'm trying to remember i believe it's the highest grossing entertainment industry right now um again freaking grand theft auto 5 was the biggest entertainment title we've ever seen there's so much money you can be can be made in in games the other thing the platform the the thing where it's like in five years you have to be adaptable Okay, one, most video gamers are going to be adaptable to a certain extent. They're not going to be necessarily as good as they were. Like maybe they were really good in Fortnite and maybe not as good in Warzone or whatever the case may be. But nowadays, more and more games are moving to be games as service. Rainbow Six Siege came out in like 2015 and it's still one of the more popular stream titles out there. Fortnite, I thought Fortnite would be dead by now. It is still, if not one of the biggest games out there. And it's a platform now. It's a social space now. It's grown and it's adapted. Obviously, Call of Duty changes every year, but it's still one of the bigger titles out there. Like the the growth of games as a platform is changed completely. So there can be people that just stream Halo all the time and you'll be fine. Halo Infinite looks like it's going to be more of a platform and not like an not a new like we're going to get Halo Infinite. We're not going to get Halo Infinite 2. It's going to be a platform for a long time. Um, Destiny 2 is a platform that keeps growing. Destiny 2 came out, like, what was that, 2017, I believe? So you can focus on a game and still play that game. Minecraft, freaking Minecraft is still one of the more popular games out there. Like, it's just, there's a lot more to games than just this, this, you know, idea that you're trying to be the best player, most skilled player, most this, most that. And this, there's a lot more to it than just you know back in the day super mario jumping around whatever there's a lot more to games now than there ever has been yeah and i mean yeah if he's talking about playing 2k for 12 hours i agree with him it's it's that's a little bit you know that's that's a little bit excessive and and i don't think majority of people play video games for that long like it's just like i mean i mean who i mean anything for that long is 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 a problem. It's, it's addictive, it, uh, obviously, and it's like you know, I, I, I don't know. Like there, uh, 
there are people that you know cope with things by playing video games or even you know like they cope with things by doing like jujitsu and stuff like that so um you know like and and why do you care what other people like doing you know on your free time it's i don't know it just see it just screams of him you know old grandpa telling you to get off their lawn kind of thing like it's you know go out there and do something productive i'm just like well you know talking on a microphone is isn't necessarily productive you do have a large following that uh that i guess you when you have guests on that are very helpful then yeah that, i guess that's uh that's that's useful and helpful but you know it's uh who's to say that playing video games isn't productive i you know i could argue that it is yeah and i mean there are problems with games that that kind of I don't know how to describe it, but they prey on that like video game addiction to a certain extent, mm-hmm. like making you log in every day or trying to get you to do all these loot boxes and stuff. I'm not saying video games are perfect by any stretch, but there, if he had a problem and he recognized it, I'm glad he recognized it, but that doesn't represent the entire video game stratosphere or atmosphere, you know, whatever. It doesn't represent the whole gaming space. There are, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people that drink but not everyone's an alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? Like the, there, mm-hmm. there are certain pockets of the groups that are practicing in excess. And I totally, you know, that's a problem and it's, a, it's people that need help. And hopefully people can either recognize the problem or people around them can help them through that problem. I'm glad Joe Rogan got out of that problem, but like to say they're a waste or whatever, eh, no, you're not playing for one, you probably haven't played a game like The Wolf Among Us or a game like, what's the one I thought of? The Long Dark, Tacoma, Gone Home. Highly recommend checking those games out. The game I told you, Jong, to download, Journey, that is mm-hmm. that is an experience that only, I forget how long that game is, but it's a it's not about like shooting stuff or anything. It's just an experience that you, is fascinating experience. There's there's so many more experiences out there that are way more intuitive and way more thought provoking than it ever has been. You know, it's not about just getting Princess Peach out of the castle anymore. It's there's so much more to it. There's so much more about mental health and uh, Firewatch, a game I downloaded a while ago. I want to play that so bad because it it deals with some, I believe, mental health issues and talks about that in a deep way. So I, it's just there's so much to gaming that is not necessarily a waste of time it isn't it is an art and there there mm-hmm. are some experiences but at the same time hey it's fun to just shoot some aliens every now and then like you said i want to just go i want to jump in a, a warthog and hit halo infinite bro i want to go hop in a warthog shoot some brutes shoot some grunts grapple hook my way around that world and just have fun and not worry about it because gaming again it can it can be that stress reliever for you when I was going through some of my, like when I've gone through some of my stuff that I, I mean, I still go through some of my own stuff personally, like gaming, like just lets me focus and, 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 and just chill, you know, not worry about everything else for, for that hour or two hours that I play uh, the outer worlds last year, enjoyed that game to death. That game was one of the most, one of the best well-written games I've played in a while. And it was so much fun. And I, I want to hop into that world for that, you know, limited amount of time to, you know, relief some relieve some stress you know so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know i just it's frustrating when people's when we still have to have this conversation about video games with older people (laughs) yeah i mean and and i think joe rogan is coming from a place where he did have that addiction like you said like he did play games for for very long And, and you can tell from the way like the quotes i don't think do it complete justice i because i think when you look at how he talks about it you could tell from just his facial expressions and just the way his mannerisms that he has gone through this kind of addiction before like he you could tell like he gets a little animated not like he doesn't raise his voice or anything like that but you could see it in his in his face where he's like he's a little animated he's kind of like oh this looks like somebody that you know has gamed before and maybe he did find it addicting and a waste of time but you know you sit back and you look at you know what you do in your life you know you're you, know, you watch movies. You, you just you, you could probably argue that's a waste of time. Um, you play and 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 some of these video games are like movies, like The Last of Us Part One, where I sat sat there and and watched it, watched the playthrough because <clears throat> it was a movie. The storyline was amazing, 
the character and the the characters and the acting were fantastic. It felt like a, a real movie, and if and, you know HBO is developing a, a series on The Last of Us, so I'm like, yeah, you know, watching some of these TV shows is a waste of time. Any you really think about it, anything you do that isn't you know productive in terms of if you're learning, if you're not learning anything, or if you or I guess if you're bringing bringing in income is a waste of time, right? Right. But like I said, there are parts of life where you just need to waste time. Um, to kind of calm yourself a little bit and and refocus and re-energize and I, I think for me playing an hour of MLB the show is not a waste of time it's uh it helps me you know kind of I guess uh re- reboot um you know watching the last of us while I eat lunch helps me re- helps me reboot for the you know five six seven hours of studying that I have to do that day so it's uh you know, it's, uh, um, I I love Joe Rogan. I love the content he provides. And I think that he's one of the biggest, you know, he's the, the biggest podcaster in the world, probably. Um, if not, he's in the top five. And, and I do feel like he he's done a lot for this platform to grow it and um, have people, you know, get on podcasts more. And so I, I, I think that he's, I guess, a pioneer in that standpoint. But I disagree with him on the video game stuff. Yeah, and I, and you know, I, I, there are aspects again where I I know he liked them at some point, but don't let what happened to you reflect the industry as a whole. Because like for me, I did get away from video games for a while, mainly around college and early ESPN ninety seven five days, just because I did kind of feel like it was a waste of time to a certain extent. But then the joy of like experiencing stories and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I had a problem for a while there that I didn't realize. And then when I started getting back into video games, it really like reignited that fuel for the last, I don't know, however long um, mm-hmm. to the point where now where I'm just like, I love gaming. I'll, I'll, I'll take in whatever content there is. There's so much content out there. Now uh, the, I know the one thing I did want to say when it, in terms of making money, while there are uh, the ninjas, Dr. Lupo's, Shrouds, you know, all these different ones, for every one of those there are, there are plenty of others that haven't made it but are maybe wasting time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't... It, people that are going into video games to make money, you do have to be realistic and make sure you're not doing it to a detriment of your own self, you know, because there, are, for every LeBron, there is a Lenny Cook. You don't know who Lenny Cook is? Exactly. That's the point. There is, uh-huh. That's the whole point. So, I mean, there are certain cases where you do need to real be realistic about your expectations when you get into the sphere, if you are trying to make money. But there are op- opportunities in multiple ways now with studios and all, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, yeah, video games are the best. I enjoy them. <laughs> Shut up, Joe Rogan. No, just, just kidding. <laughs> um, so, and we'll move on here in a little. Uh, we'll move on here to talk about justice con and, and, and comic con a little bit. Ray Fisher came out again and uh, he kind of doubled down on what he talked about with, uh, with in regards to Joss Whedon and um, people over there at Warner brothers in DC. Uh, he went on, um, I don't know exactly what podcast, I guess, or what, uh, uh, I guess, what do you call, what do you call those? Um, I guess it was like a panel of some panel. Kind. Yeah. yeah. It was a panel for Justice Con, and he was with uh, three people. You know, I, I, my assumption is that they they host a podcast together or something like that. Uh, but he went on with them and he talked about you know Joss Whedon and what happened with Justice League and didn't go into too much detail. But the, the whole clip is about ten minutes long. But he talked about how um, how he has evidence and how he's worked these past two and a half years to collect everything together. And, um, and he's, you know, when he's ready, he'll present everything and, um, he'll have, you know, a lot of people backing him up on some of these stuff and, um, and right off the bat, I kind of want to, you know, apologize a little, apologize, not a little bit, but I apologize to Ray Fisher because I kind of said, oh, he's probably just bitter because, you know, he, his role got cut, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like, you know, as these months have kind of gone on that he's on the right side of this. He, there has 
been some sort of mishandling of uh, of I guess characters and people, just just people, you know, um, on on set with Joss Whedon and everybody else. So um, I hope we find more about you know what's going on with uh, with everything, and and I hope that if Joss Whedon was in the wrong, um, I hope he gets his just just due. Yeah, he um, it, he talked about he could basically like he would he doubled down on what he was saying, but he said, "quote I don't want to compare them in any way, shape, or form." Fisher said, "But I what I will say toward the Josh Whedon situation is obviously I put out some strong, pretty strong words and some pretty strong comments about Josh Whedon, and every single one of those words, every single one of those comments is true." He went on to say, "It's taken me." two and a half years to get all the information I need to be able to build something that's strong enough so people can't dismiss it. So, and he went on to say like, we're in the process of making sure that people can tell their stories in a confidential way that they don't get any sort of retribution done against them. We're going to get to the heart of everything. And if anything I said about the man is untrue, I invite him wholeheartedly to sue me for liable to sue me for slander End quote. Yeah. And he was, uh, you could tell he was pretty heated uh, because I think he was talking pretty quickly uh, in that interview. And he was just like, you could see the emotion in his eyes and the way that he was talking. And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one, just one of those things that um, you have to let time take its course and for everything to be done diligently. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating uh, how this is going to kind of turn out and uh, it, 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 from all indications, it doesn't look like it's going to be very pretty for Joss. I, and I love what he, what he said too. Uh, he said, quote, cause he was talking about John Berg's comment towards, uh, towards the whole situation. And he said, quote, his denial of the situation, his denial of the enabling of that situation was asinine. It was tone deaf and it was completely disrespectful to the situation. That man is scared. He should also be because we're going to get to the heart of it. And if you keep in mind, he did not deny that there was any unprofessional behavior. He did not deny knowing about any individual behavior. He said that we, meaning meaning assuming Jeff Johns and myself, we did not enable any unprofessional behavior. You can look at that statement and tell it's a knee-jerk statement of an individual who is scared. <laughs> Get him, Ray Fisher. And again, I want to say too, I apologize because I, you know, like you, I thought this was going along with the whole Snyder Cut thing. I was like, okay, we get it. You, you guys got the Snyder Cut going. Like, I, I get it. You're happy about it. But then it's like, oh, now I, I've, I see. Not only do I see why Zack Snyder more so now what that movie means to him in, in a lot of ways and why he he wanted that movie to come about for so long. Now I see why Ray Fisher was kind of in his camp this whole time um, and and was fighting for it as well. And it's just like, man, I feel like an ass. <laughs> so I apologize, Ray Fisher. I, I'm totally with you, man. I, I am sorry. I didn't believe you from... Well, I shouldn't say I believed him from the jump, but I didn't understand what he was angry about or frustrated about with Josh Whedon and now it like makes total sense and I'm curious what he's gathered up and what I'm assuming he's gathered people because one of the things he referenced was uh, talking to people and making it to where people if they do like say something it won't come back on them or hurt them in their in their jobs because he I think in that same 10 minute clip when he was talking about it he he mentions I forget if it was him or somebody he knew or something where he fought for something and he pointed something that was wrong and then ended up getting fired. But not only him, it was like other people around him as well got fired for something. I forget the exact, what he exactly said in that 10 minute quote about that, but he wants to make sure that people uh, who are going to join with him in this stance and say something about what Josh did, you know, is, are protected, are confidential or, or, anonymity and speaking with confidentiality so uh man i'm i don't think this ray fisher thing is going away anytime soon and josh whedon yeah you better be prepared bro <laughs> yeah um i think he was talking about a, a previous job that he held um he was trying to uni unionize or, or fight for a cause at, at the job and they ended up um uh they ended up uh 
letting him go. And I think ultimately they did get what they wanted, but he uh, he was, you know, one of the key people that were on, on that movement and he just kind of uh, got let go. And so um, he did, get the, I think they did get the result they wanted, but he wasn't there to see it kind of get put together. And he said, that's one of the examples of like what he, what he, you know, wants to stand up for if this hurts him in, 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 you know, acting in some of these bigger roles, he said he didn't care because he said he lives like a, a simple life where he just needs, you know, he doesn't lead, need many things. And if he, if he were to just work uh, on these smaller things in Hollywood, that he'd be fine with it. As long as, you know, he can make enough to, to get by, he'd be fine with it. As long as, you know, he sees, you know, the, the truth come out and justice being done, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and one of the other uh, interesting things that I found was that in that uh, same group of uh, three women that um, did that podcast, uh, they um, they also had Zack Snyder on. And what I found very interesting in, in his interview was that he, it was actually his decision. Oh, it, it wasn't. It's not too surprising. It was his decision to walk away. But he he said that it was his their call to do who was gonna his call to bring on who was ultimately brought on joss whedon and i i haven't watched the video but i've seen the quote and this is the quote it says it certainly was our decision to leave the movie in the light of what happened and it was specifically our call on who would do it and all that it was before the committee we were pretty distracted at the time and what he's talking about was this uh tragedy with his uh with his daughter in may may of 2017 um uh, she she you know passed away and he had to deal with a family family emergency and what i found it i don't know if i'm reading this incorrectly but it seemed like what he said was that it was his call on who was going to come in and finish it and Josh Sweden was the one that came in and finished it. Does this seem weird to you? Like he, I don't know. Like, do you, uh, am I reading that wrong? I mean, it does kind of sound like that. And, but I wonder it's a, again, you, you'll, how well did he know Josh Sweden? Maybe he like knows him a little bit, but I imagine he didn't expect him to do what all he did what Josh Whedon did or ended up doing to that movie and uh, you know what he did ended up seemingly on the set and treating the way he treated people on the set. So you only know someone to a certain extent and you know, I don't know. He, I assume he just didn't realize what he was getting everyone involved in into. Yeah. Um, and I think that might be one of the things where like, Oh, he's like, Oh, Josh Whedon did, you know, the Avengers movies. I think he'd do great on finishing this and I guess they didn't really know that the studio was gonna, you know, come in and just, uh, just, just hack it up, like, like you know, it was nothing, and and just uh, do what they wanted to do with it, and and Joss just kind of complied, and when maybe maybe uh, Zach didn't know how much of a dick Joss Sweden was, and how much of a misogynist that he was when he came in, so. Um, and those are just rumors, I guess, I, I, I guess I should be careful. Those are just rumors, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it seems like a, just gi- a giant mess. And, uh, and again, I said this in the, in the past, I'm glad we're getting the Zack Snyder cut and I'm, I'm glad we finally get to see what he originally attended, even though it may be four or five hours long. Um, Zach did also say they asked him if he, there was going to be any pieces that Josh Whedon. I used. saw that. You saw that? I, yeah. <laughs> he said, "Quote: I just I destroy the movie before I use a single frame that I didn't photograph. That is a effing hard fact. I'd blow the effing thing up." He didn't say <laughs> effing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think if he did approve Josh Whedon or asked him to come in and do it? Do you think that? If Joss Whedon didn't mishandle the cast, but the the product kind of turned out the same, do you think that he would feel the same way, or do you think that he's he's saying this because all the cast and crew are telling Zach, "Oh man, this guy was so hard to work with," you know he, um, you know he made Gal do stuff that she didn't want to do. She he made uh, Gal stunt woman stunt you know stunt double do stuff that she didn't want to do. Do you think do you think anything of, of that and what Race Fisher has been saying? 
has to do with how Zack Snyder feels about Joss Whedon? I, you know, I think I think it's only fueled it. I think even if, like, let's say Joss Whedon was super nice on set and let's say everyone loved working with him, but it was still the movie that we got, I still think he would have been, he would have wanted to do his version. Because, again, I think when he lost his daughter, you know, when she, I believe it was suicide, if I remember correctly, if the way that everything happened, the way everything came about and what, again, what that movie, him listening to him talk about that movie and what it means to him to finish that movie, I think is a big part of not only just closure for fans, but closure for himself and a piece of him. Um, I think he feels like he needs to do this for himself mm. to close that chapter of his life. Cause I feel like it's left incomplete um, because of everything that's happened. But, you know, knowing what we know with what Ray Fisher has said, what some of the other people have said, I think it's just fueling, it's just giving him more fuel to the fire of, oh, I got to make sure that I, I do this not now, not only for myself, but for everyone that was part of it, that I wanted to be part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> uh, the, the, there also was footage of the black suited Superman in, uh, in, I guess that aired uh, during justice con. Um, and it's, conf- it was confirmed. I believe that it was not shot with the black suit. It was just all CGI. Um, I, this is, I mean, I, and I think I expressed this in the past, but I wish that they originally used the black suited Superman as the Superman that came back. Um, but putting it in with Henry Cavill's clean cut look, I just don't, it doesn't, I don't know, for some reason it doesn't sit right with me. Um, I just say, just leave it out. I would just leave it the entire thing out because you're not necessarily doing the return of, you know, return of Superman or the reign of Superman. You're not doing any of that. Right. So I would just completely leave it out and you haven't, you didn't do the death of Superman properly. So, you know, I don't know why, why even mess with the black suit of Superman? Well, apparently they, yeah, he, he, he fought for that for the black suited Superman uh-huh. stuff. And it, apparently it was the studio that ended up saying like, no, they they fought, they fought him hard about that. I don't know why they fought so hard about it. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I thought it would be cool to have it. I mean, if it would be better if it wasn't just the red and blue, you know, just the CGI effect of that. Like if it was a, a practical suit, mm-hmm. I think it would work better and would look better. Um, but I mean, that's still like, it's still kind of cool to see a black suited Superman in live action. I think, you know, I don't know. I've, I've always found that that look pretty cool, like comics or mm-hmm. cartoons or whatever. So seeing it, a live action version of it kind of gets my inner like kid, like, Oh man, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 for me though, I, I want them to do the storyline properly. I guess if, um, if if it were done right like uh i i I wish they do it properly but you know obviously you're gonna have to redo (laughs) batman versus superman and you would have to redo justice league so um but so that's that's not gonna happen but um yeah i mean the look of it looked kind of cool and and i'm with you like a practical suit would be uh would be fantastic but you know it's a more of a wishful thinking kind of thing yeah he did say quote at the time, the studio said there was no chance because I was arguing for the black suit the entire time, and they were like, we don't think it's a good idea. I'd say, what do you mean? We would always about, eventually we were like, fine, don't worry about it, we're good. We said we'll shoot the suit the way it was, but we had done little adjustments to the suit that would make it a little easier to dial it and contrast it a little more because we had done some experiments in Photoshop, so we knew how to do it. We had done a bunch of private experiments to make sure we could switch it on the DL since, frankly, they were just they just weren't into it. I thought from the beginning it was a great idea because it was the correct evolution f- for him. When he rose from the dead, he'd have the black suit. It just made sense, end quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess he's, you know, m- more meshing um, a couple storylines and, and doing an original storyline, which I, I guess I, I, I understand him doing that, but... Um, but it's just I, I don't know like I, I think I'm just a little bitter that DC animated um, did Death of Superman so much better and uh, and it's just it, it it just didn't turn out you know the same quite the same <laughs> <laughs> right but stuff like this though it makes me 
go back to when I was like, oh, Snyder Cut's probably not going to ever happen because it makes me think, even if they did, like, now that we're here and we are going to get it, get the actual Snyder Cut, and he's revealing information like, like, yeah, we wanted to do Black Suit of Superman, but studio wouldn't do it. Yeah, we wanted to do this, but studio wouldn't do it. Like, I feel like this makes Warner Brothers look like you guys were meddling way too much. Like, I, I feel like part of me was if they did end up releasing it, it was going to bite them in the, in the ass because so many of the things were, yeah, they meddled in this, they meddled in that. And it just makes them kind of look kind of bad. And uh -huh. I feel like some of this is kind of coming to fruition. Yeah. And uh, moving on to uh, some, I guess, a big key story that came out of Comic-Con. Um, well, actually, actor... it was uh, Save Daredevil Con or something. Oh, like that. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, it was uh, actor Peter Shinkoda. Shinkoda. He was uh, he joined. Uh, he was on this uh, this panel and he talked about his character that he played Nobu uh, in Daredevil in season two. Um, it's. Uh, it, he talks about how the writers and the showrunner had this giant elaborate thing planned for his character and Madame Gao. But the dickhead that is Jeff Loeb, the, the douchebag that spells Jeff with a PH, um, he basically was told that Jeff Loeb basically completely cut the character's knees from behind them. And he said that, quote, he was told many times by many of the writers and showrunners that the show, the show's writer's room was told not to use Asian characters. I'm kind of reluctant to say this, but I'm going to take it and apologize to Tommy and Jeff that I'm going to take this moment. But I have to because I, I just have to. I'm not really into protecting certain things anymore. Jeff Loeb told the writer's room not to write for Nobu or Gao. And this was to reiterate many times by many of the writers and showrunners that, quote, nobody cares about Chinese people and Asian people. There were three previous Marvel movies, a trilogy called Blade that was made where Wesley Snipes kills 200 Asian Asians each movie because nobody gives a shit. So don't write about Nobu and Gao. So they were focused to put their storyline uh, focused or forced to put their storyline down and drop it. And it seemed weird, didn't it? In season in season two, where like you had something building and then I'm oh, not building, but you just had these characters just there and you, you thought, oh, they're probably gonna be a little bit more important than than they actually were. And then all of a sudden the storyline was just like, wait, what just I mean, what happened? Like it's just like you built you're trying to build something with a hand, and all of a sudden it was just like dropped. And 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 now it makes sense. And, um, and me and you are going back on, on Twitter DM, um, uh, a little bit with this thing. And, uh, I basically said, um, it was, it was weird that, um, that, you know, I think Kevin Feige is, is pretty big up there with, uh, with Marvel and, and Marvel studios. And it just seemed weird that they just weren't involved in Marvel television and how they just kind of wanted, uh, wanted everything to be separate and it kind of makes sense that he wanted things to be separate because he didn't want to be involved with this whole Jeff Loeb thing. And I would, man, I would think I would have to imagine Jeff Loeb was pretty high up, up there. He was running Marvel television, but in terms of how much influence he had on, I guess his job security that he would have, have had to been pretty close to, um, you know, just pretty close to to people's the execs' ears that he didn't lose his job sooner, and it seemed like right when Kevin Feige got a promotion, Jeff Loeb was out of there, and when Kevin Feige became like the head of everything, Jeff Loeb was out of there, and um, I kind of commend uh, Kevin Feige, and uh, I posed it to you on in the DMs. I was like, why didn't this happen sooner? And I think you were basically saying that um, you think that it, it was you know, just separate and that Kevin Feige, the way that Kevin Feige cut everything off from Marvel television was a sign of him saying, I, I don't want to be any part of Jeff Loeb. Yeah. That's I, I, now it makes a lot of sense. It seems like it was, you know, why we, we always wondered like, why didn't they cross over more? Why didn't they work with each other? And I always, I think we always thought it was just, you know, because they were two separate divisions and it was just too hard. You're shooting TV on a different schedule. So, Maybe that's why, but 
now, I mean, I think maybe part of that's still true, but I, I, I wonder how much of it is Jeff Loeb is kind of racist or is racist and, you know, and he's, he's the type that I can't work with like him and Ike Pullmaner. I forget how you say his last name, but those are two guys that were seem to be against diversity on screen. And we know Kevin Feige was fighting for it at certain points and was almost going to quit at one point. I believe it was 2015. He almost quit. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's again, it goes back to people kind of protect other people. And I, I was thinking Jeff, probably was protected by a lot of people as well um and and he was allowed to do this for however long which is very disappointing because again like you said i think there was more story to tell with nobu his fight with daredevil was great in what was that season one i guess it was mm-hmm. um there seemed to be more to tell with him. and then we honestly i'm trying to remember how much more madam gal was in daredevil i don't think she was too much more in daredevil she was in like iron fist and stuff but there was still like so much more story to tell and it's frustrating when when people's own like to say uh, people don't care about asian that's that's so wrong on so many levels and it's so mm-hmm. ridiculous to to say something like that and it's it's just it's disappointing to have that affect what could have been a a really interesting story to tell and and, and listening to it, like if you watch the video, you it, it looks to him like it looks hard for him to say it. Like it, it really seemed like it took a lot out of him to say it, and it, mm-hmm. it seemed to really hurt him. And uh, man, didn't it seem like uh, while he was you know wrestling with you know talking about it, it seemed seemed like to me it was like man, does he? Do you think that it's going through his head that he may not work in Hollywood again if he? Uh, if you were to say this, and I think that was he, that, that might be something that he was contemplating with. And I was just like, man, this, this just must be really, really tough. Well, yeah, I mean, it must be, it must be very difficult because it might be that, or it just might be just, you know, he might not be that type of person to really like, you know, talk in, in terms of stuff like this. I don't know. Like, I don't know, Peter, obviously I don't know Peter. I, I would like to know Peter. Hey, Peter, what's up? Um, but like, it it may be a, a byproduct of yeah you, you know you may get to the point where he doesn't get any more work or you know again we talked about it with Ray Fisher he, you know he fought for the union thing and then he gets fired and you know then it, it limits your possibilities so maybe he was in that position I, it's I don't I don't know if he was but I think the more and more we're getting into the point where people are are saying it but now we're people are actually like listening and. Mm-hmm. I think with what Ray Fisher did, what others have done recently, I think it it helped in terms of Peter coming out and saying something, you mm-hmm. know, and the support Ray Fisher was supporting him too on, on online. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think you're right. It, it possibly the whole job thing might've been a, a possible reason as to why he didn't really say anything. Yeah. And I, I just throw this in there. The reason why people don't care about those characters that blade killed they couldn't empathize with them and they were just extras. He could have, he could have killed anybody at, at that point and we would have been like, Oh, okay. They're just, you know, vampires. What's he talking about? At two, like Asians every, what's he talking about? Like, I don't know. <laughs> they were just, they were all short sorts of people, women, kids, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It was, just, I don't know what he was talking about. I think it was just, exaggerate yeah i didn't understand that at all like i mean blade 2 it's a bunch of weird vampires that open their mouths really weird like i don't <laughs> what are you talking about like i don't know yeah i don't understand that that was such a weird comparison yeah uh we're kind of running out of time but uh, i'll mention these very quickly and we'll get into them a little more deeper uh in the next podcast because i think we have you know our, our thoughts that we want to kind of share um but tenet is getting officially moved back it has its date but internationally we're going to get tenant first and then the u.s is supposed to supposed to get tenant maybe uh, i think a week after and um it's the americans can't just do things right so that's this is one of the uh this is one of the punishments that we get for not you know curving down the the coronavirus so we'll talk about that um in the next podcast as uh, as well with Haley steinfeld apparently is going to get casted 
it's uh, apparently a done deal uh, reported by Illuminati um, that she's going to be playing Kate Bishop. Uh, the Witcher is going to be getting a prequel. And then we have um, a couple of uh, video game stuff that we'll get into as well. But thank you guys for tuning into issue 303 of Comic Cast. You can always, always follow us on Twitter. I'm at my name, Jong. I'm at producer Mike975. Please go to YouTube and follow our YouTube channel. I know we only did one video last week, and uh, we'll, we may only do one this week. I'll be traveling to Dallas. But uh, go there, watch some of our other videos, give us, give us some support, you know, and uh, subscribe to that channel. Yeah, subscribe. Slap that bell. Ding, 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 ding. Until next time. See <clears throat> Okay. All right. Hey. What is that? Logan makes some weird noise when they play. Oh, I was going to say, that sounds like a baby. (laughs) He plays rougher, and then, like, when Rogue starts playing a little more rough, he starts getting angry. I'm just like, dude, you're... (laughs) What is that? Oh, God. It's like a baby giggling. Holy crap. Make some weird noise. (laughs) Logan. Okay. Okay. All right. What do I even do here? (laughs) All right. All right. Let's try this again. Tenant, date, pushback, take five. (laughs) I don't know if you want to. I just clapped. You could insert one of those marker sounds. I could do that. And the other thing that I watched was uh, Last of Us. And you, you may say, hey, but that's a video game, Jong. And I'll tell you, yeah, it is. <laughs> <But>. Yeah. <laughs>